Um, okay, um, good morning everybody. Uh, I'm glad you could join me here to talk about capacity mechanisms. Uh, just to quickly uh, walk you through uh, the content of this webinar. Uh, the introduction part explains what capacity mechanisms are and why they are much discussed at the European level. The main part will focus on how EU law treats capacity mechanisms. Lastly, I will um, draw some conclusions uh, from this approach and then try to answer any questions or comments you might have um, in the Q&A. It, uh, it is perhaps uh, a good starting point to define uh, what we understand under capacity mechanisms, or as they are fully called capacity remuneration mechanisms. Capacity mechanisms are introduced by the state to pay generators for their capacity. Now, the important thing is to understand that capacity is not energy. It is availability of energy. In other words, it is the energy that a generator commits to produce at some point in the future. Usually, generators are paid only for energy they sell in the market. This is what we call energy only market, because energy is the only product. Uh, if a capacity mechanism is in place, um, then the generators are compensated for both energy and capacity. So this becomes a two-product market. Now, uh, why would we need uh, capacity mechanisms? Mm, well, capacity mechanisms are introduced to encourage generators to invest. If energy prices are low or generators don't produce as often as they would like to, they might not be able to recover their investment costs. And, and this is a very capital-intensive sector. Uh, so capacity mechanisms provide these generators with an additional, additional stable stream of money on the top of the revenue from electricity trade. Another more recent problem is caused by the, impl by the implementation of uh, REST, Tar ta target. Um, more and more renewables uh, are on. Um, more and more renewables on the system uh, calls for more flexible conventional generation, uh, which could produce when there's no wind or or the sun is not shining. Shining. Um, right. Uh, this slide uh, is just to show you that capacity mechanisms in Europe are nothing new. Um, and that uh, we have many different types of capacity mechanisms. We will not discuss them here in, uh, in de detail, as this is beyond the scope of this webinar. If you are interested, we have two other webinars on capacity mechanisms, which cover, uh, which cover this topic. Uh, I will refer uh, you to these webinars in my last slide. Uh, but as you can see from this map, some countries are implementing capacity mechanisms right, right now or are revising their old schemes. Uh, and these are new developments uh, which just couldn't go unnoticed at the EU level. From the EU perspective, the concern is that there, um, if there is no co coordination or, or control over the schemes, they might distort competition. Uh, they might affect cross-border trade and undermine the whole um, EU energy market model. Uh, before we move on, I would like to run uh, a poll um, on a question which we will then focus on uh, in the next part of this webinar. Um, so um, the question is, um, 
which EU provisions uh, may apply to capacity mechanisms. Uh, as you can see, there is a number of answers and you can mark as many of them as you want. Uh, this is just to trigger some thinking about what we'll be discussing next. Uh, so I will, I will launch this poll, this poll now. Mm. Okay, and and we we maybe now uh, leave uh, um, some some time um, for you to to answer. Um, okay. Uh, oh, that there are some some late <laughs> arrivals here. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Ricardo, I think we we can close close it now. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Um, I hope you all can see the results. Um, um, because yeah, uh, I I think I think you can all yeah okay. Uh, so uh, these results uh, are interesting uh, and um, um, but. Uh, I prefer not to comment on them now uh, because we will talk about this in this main part of the webinar. Um, and so uh, I think we, we will um, we'll come back uh, to this question uh, at the end uh, at the end of, of the webinar and go through uh, all the answers. Um, <clears throat> so um, this is just an overview of main EU policy documents uh, that are important to capacity mechanisms. Uh, back in 2012, uh, the Commission opened a consultation. The idea was to come up uh, with a set of criteria for designing capacity mechanisms so that they, they don't undermine the internal market. Uh, in May, the European Council uh, called the Commission to, to do something about capacity mechanisms. And the Commission met this call uh, in November. Um, uh, it issued a communication uh, which, among others, uh, was dealing specifically with capacity mechanisms. Throughout this process, the Commission was uh, open about the fact that capacity mechanisms are likely to be subject to state aid rules. That this is not surprising. Um, as depending on how a capacity mechanism uh, is designed and uh, and how it is financed, it can involve uh, state aid. Uh, also, at that time, the Commission started a very important reform of state aid control. This included uh, developing new state aid uh, guidelines for the energy sector. Uh, so it was a perfect opportunity for the Commission to include capacity mechanisms uh, in this new uh, in this new guidelines. Not surprisingly, uh, all the thinking developed in the consultation on capacity mechanisms and then in the Commission's uh, communication uh, fed into this new state aid uh, guidelines. Uh, the first and so far. Uh, the only case where the Commission applied the, uh, these rules um, is the approval of the UK capacity market. More state aid decisions are likely to follow. Uh, as we can see, state aid rules are currently the major instrument of EU law when it comes to capacity mechanisms. 
However, uh, European energy sector is governed by the third energy package. And that should be our point of departure. So let's have a quick look at this legal framework. In fact, Electricity Directive regulates investment in generation capacity. According to Article 7, um, new generation capacity must be constructed through authorization procedure. That's fine. But uh, this assumes that there are and will be investors who are willing to construct new generation. Uh, but what happens if nobody wants to invest? Well, the directive foresees such a situation. Member states can intervene for security of supply reasons if the authorization procedure fails to secure sufficient levels of investment. And here are the options. First, it can organize a public tender for the construction of new capacity, or it can resort to any other measure which is equivalent in terms of transparency, the tra transparency and non-discrimination. It means uh, that a member state can set up a capacity mechanism for security of supply reasons, provided that it is transparent and non-discriminatory. Uh, it can also impose, uh, also for security, security of supply reasons, public service obligations, and that's Article 3.2. Uh, now, uh, what are public service obligations? Well. Um, the state imposes such obligations on companies to perform services which are important for the society, but uh, which would not be performed under normal market conditions. Uh, moreover, the state enjoys a wide margin of discretion in classifying uh, certain activities as public service obligations. The possibility is, uh, is important because uh, once something is classified as a public service obligation, the compensation for the service uh, might be more might more easily uh, escape the state aid box, uh, as we will see in in the in the next slide. Um, then, in that case, the commission's control over financing this service is much more limited. So, just to recap, if security of supply is at risk the state can go ahead and set up a capacity mechanism, provided that it is transparent and non-discriminatory. Uh, similar language we can actually find in the directive of, on the security of electricity supply, which allows both for the imposition of public service obligations uh, and measures which ensure sufficient reserve capacity, as long as they are non-discriminatory. Um, now, uh, but when uh, capacity mechanisms uh, are actually state aid, um, for capacity mechanisms to be state aid, um, there must be uh, there must be four conditions uh, which needs to be met, uh, and, and those four conditions are are set out in uh, Article One Hundred Seven. Uh, so there must be economic advantage which must uh, favor certain undertakings. So not only it must be given to an undertaking, but it has to be selective. Uh, then it must be state funded. So either through state resources or there's a link to state resources. We'll explain that uh, la later. And, and finally, uh, it must distort competition uh, and affect, and affect uh, um, cross-border trade. Um, more, 
most importantly, uh, the form of the mechanism is not, uh, is not that important. No matter how the scheme is called, once it meets these four conditions, then it is in the state box. Uh, the two last conditions are easily met. Um, so we will focus on, on these two, um, state resources and economic advantage. Uh, state resources is a very wide concept, and it would be difficult to create a capacity mechanism which does not involve uh, state resources. Even if the money is not coming directly from state, but let's say from consumer's packet, it can nevertheless meet this condition. Uh, if there is some sort of state involvement or at any point of time, these resources uh, are under public control. So the origin of resources is rather irre irrelevant. What matters here is the degree of state intervention in this mechanism. What about uh, capacity markets? Uh, for instance, France, when designing its capacity market, argued that... Um, that there are no state resources involved because the state just organizes the transfer of private resources. It creates a market mechanism and, and that's all, uh, that, there's, that there's no impact on the budget. Uh, well, well, no. C case law shows uh, that if the state creates an asset and gives it, and give it free of charge, uh, these are also state resources because the state could have sold this asset and made some money instead of just giving it away for, for free. Economic advantage. Also, okay, so uh, state resources can be also, uh, like this condition can be, can be likely met. Um, when we talk about economic advantage, this is also, uh, this is also very, very wide. It doesn't need to be money. Uh, it can be any economic benefit that a company would not enjoy in a normal course of business. Uh, however, if the state imposes on an undertaking a public service obligation and compensates it for the cost of the service only, there is no economic advantage and there is no state aid. This is, this is an important exception. The Commission uses here the so-called Altmark uh, test which is basically to make sure that the public service obligation is valid and that there is no overcompensation. Uh, now, let's, let's assume uh, that a capacity mechanism uh, meets all these four, uh, all these four uh, elements of, of state, state aid and the state, um, and the state imposed no public service obligations. In principle, state aid is compatible with the common market as a, Sorry, in principle, the, the, the state, uh, state aid is incompatible with the common mar market and therefore uh, it's, it's, not, it's not allowed. Uh, however, there are many exceptions to this uh, general prohibition. Uh, many forms of aid are automatically exempted, whereas other types of aid need to be notified to, to the Commission for approval. Um, and this is the case of capacity mechanisms. So if the state has to, so, so, so the state has to file uh, a notification uh, and the commission checks whether the given mechanism is compatible with the common market using the criteria which are set out in the new energy guidelines. What are the criteria? Um, the guidelines contain general assessment principles, which are there 
further adjust, uh, adjusted to capacity mechanism in, in, a, in a separate section, which is dealing specifically with aid to generation adequacy. Um, this all criteria are, are in the guidelines. So, so let's maybe keep it short here. Uh, look, looking at the Commission's decision on, um, on the UK capacity mechanism, we can say that um, the, the participation of cross-border capacity and demand-side response are important uh, criteria for, um, for this com compatibility. Uh, however, the participation of generators located abroad should be taken into account only if this is physically possible. And the obligation to deliver a capacity cross-border can be enforced. This means that foreign generators can be actually excluded from the capacity mechanism if the state demonstrates that including them is, is not, it's not possible. Uh, either because there's no sufficient cross-border capacity or, or it would not be able to sanction um, generators located abroad uh, who fail to deliver this um, capacity. Uh, let's maybe uh, sum up uh, this approach. Uh, so on the, on the plus front, uh, state aid control gives the Commission an opportunity to intervene before the state implements the mechanism. And, uh, and the state cannot implement the mechanism until the Commission approves it. That's the so-called uh, standstill clause. The, the procedure is based on ne negotiations uh, and also allows for informal contacts between the Commission and the state even ahead of the formal notification. In that sense, the Commission can play an active role in shaping the, the proposal for the mechanism. Uh, one, one can even draw here um, um, a comparison uh, to Article 9 commitment procedure under antitrust rules, where the Commission sometimes seems to act more like, um, like a market regulator, not a competition uh, authority. Uh, the state benefits uh, from this flexible negotiated uh, approach insofar as the Commission takes into account uh, various country-specific circumstances and can agree to, um, to, to, to solutions that are, um, that are matching uh, the interests of, of, of the state. Uh, another observation is that uh, if the state is ready to give concessions uh, and adjust the mechanism, um, the procedure can be pretty fast. The approval of the UK capacity mechanism took the Commission only one month. However, one can assume that there was much negotiations going on in the pre-notification phase. However, um, not all state aid cases are that quick. In fact, they might take up years, and this is not good for investors. Also, if a state faces a generation gap in two three years, it needs to act quickly. And this route is not the fastest one. Obviously, a lot depends uh, on the approach of the state, how much uh, changes it is ready to accept to get uh, the, the Commission's approval. But it also depends on the clarity of the compatibility criteria. If they are not clear enough, then member states might prefer to rely on models that have been approved by the Commission in the past. 
Well, for instance, in Poland, uh, there is now some discussion about introducing a capacity mechanism. And the Polish government uh, is talking more and more about implementing the UK model since it got, uh, it got a green light from the Commission. So um, if the energy guidelines are not precise enough, um, there is some risk of copy-pasting, pa which might not be the best practice, given that we talk about very different markets. Um, and now, are there al al alternatives uh, to state control? Well, the Commission could start an infringement procedure against a member state for non-compliance uh, with EU law. Um, and there are several potential provisions um, that could serve here as a legal basis. This could be sector directives, but also treaty provisions on free movement of goods or, or fiscal bar barriers to trade. Uh, however, this can be also a very long route, especially if the case is taken to the Court of Justice. Uh, another drawback is that the Commission uh, can start this procedure once uh, a capacity mechanism is actually implemented. Uh, if a capacity mechanism is so designed that it enables market manipulation or other abusive practices, uh, it can be subject to antitrust rules. A remit provision might also apply to potential potential market manipulation and insider trade trading, which relates to, to the capacity mar market. Uh, having said that... Um, um, let's maybe come back um, to our poll question. So, um, third energy package, security of supply directive uh, applies, um, as we have seen from the um, from the legal uh, fra framework. Uh, they both allow for this type of mechanisms as long as uh, as they are transparent and non-discriminatory. Um, the second answer is wrong. Uh, it is settled case law uh, that restrictions on, move, on the movement of all forms of energy are caught by the treaty provisions of goods and not those relating to services. Uh, big, big green tick next to state aid rules. Um, and um, finally, uh, rem remit regulation may apply in cases of market manipulation or insider trading and antitrust rules can also be enforced. Um, thank you very much for your attention. Uh, I hope you found uh, something useful in this presentation. As, uh, as I already mentioned, I would like to draw your attention to two other webinars on capacity mechanisms. First, there's a webinar of Carlos Batier. Uh, Carlos provides a very good introduction to this topic as he talks about capacity mechanisms from a, a broader regulatory and market design perspective. Uh, and then we have a more recent webinar from September this year in which Arthur Henniot present, uh, presents his research paper on capacity mechanisms and generation ad adequacy. Uh, both webinars are now available on YouTube. Um, yeah, uh, here, here are my contact details. I'm happy to discuss um, this topic uh, with you either now or, or um, whenever you feel like. Uh, just, just get in touch if you have comments or questions. Thank, thank, thank you. Okay, Gosha, thank you very much. And in fact, I think we can start discussing the topic now as we received uh, a lot of questions. So uh, if you're okay, I will share your webcam.
uh, with mm -hmm. all the audience and uh, we can start with some of the questions you received. Perfect, we can now see you, all of us, good. <laughs> so the first question uh, we got is uh, about the UK system uh, mm -hmm. and it is the following. Uh, Stated clearance has been granted for the UK capacity mechanism on the provision that it can accommodate interconnectors and interconnected capacity from the option 2015. The UK government has opted for the participation of interconnectors owners in the 2015 auction. This is intended to be an interim measure until a cross-border solution is developed, but it looks as if this cross-border solution is some way off. In your view, Will the participation by if interconnectors owners distort the internal energy market? One could argue that they have a conflict of interest with these dual roles. Is, is, is it a poll? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Can, can, can I choose? <laughs> um, no, thank you, thank you very, very much for, the, for this question. Um, well, um, the safe answer would be uh, it depends. <laughs> uh, it, it depends on on the um, on how um, how um, this capacity market is is designed. Um, as far as I know, um, this will be a, a competitive bidding uh, and uh, interconnector owners. In this that 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 this that that this um, intermediate sol solution, so uh, uh, there won't be an uh, option. It, it's not feasible to um, uh, to allow uh, direct participation of uh, of generators uh, located abroad, but the interconnector owners um, can bid in this auction. And um, and they will bid on on equal footing. They will be they will bid on equal terms with uh, domestic generation. I, I think like the the only difference is that there will be some sort of um, um, some sort of algorithm uh, in the the rating algorithm in, in place. Um, but otherwise, uh, the conditions are the same. Um, so. Um, in that terms, well, I, I, I get your point about um, this double role um, uh, of, um, I, I get your point about this dub, double role of, uh, um, of the interconnector owner who is by definition also transmission system operator. Um, but I would say that, um, um, in in every market, uh, there must be mechanisms in place um, that could uh, that that should, should be able to mitigate uh, any any abuses, um, uh, any abusive behavior, uh, any any instances uh, of market manipulation. Uh, we have remit. We have uh, antitrust rules. If those rules, if those mechanisms are efficiently enforced. Um, then I, I don't see that that would be um, a, a great pro, pro problem, especially uh, that if, if we if we think electricity markets uh, um, and energy markets in general, um, 
are specific in in, in term in terms that uh, this conflict of interest um, is always present or it's very often pre- present um, and there are mechanisms set up uh, which mitigate uh, those risks um, maybe just in, in terms of um, uh, distortion to the internal energy market if we uh, if we not allow uh, cross-border uh, capacity to be in, in, in these actions, uh, then I think the distortion is even bigger uh, um, than, um, than if we make sure that, uh, that there will be no con- conflict of interest with, with, within, uh, uh, bet- between the organizer of, of the auction and, and the bidding party. Uh, so, so I think that that there is um, uh, um, uh, we have some bigger objective in mind, uh, and and any risks uh, of abusive behavior uh, can be mitigated by other mechanisms. Okay, thank you. That's clear enough. And just to complement on this answer, a uh, very short question, uh, which is, um, what can the Commission do if the UK government doesn't keep its commitment to include cross-border capacity? Uh, can it revoke its decision? Um, well, actually, uh, 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 what the Commission can do uh, in that situation is to um, it can for instance launch um, for formal investigation um, um, if uh, if the if the state uh, if the state aid um, which has been cleared uh, by the commission is uh, in some way misused uh, so that's one one way of dealing with this uh, but um, but that's very adversary um, procedure again. Uh, so I think that uh, what the Commission could do instead is to um, there's even um, an obligation on, on, on the Commission uh, imposed by the tree, treaty to to monitor uh, all existing um, state aid uh, in in all the con- countries in cooperation with those given countries um, so so I, I guess that uh, the solution here is more to um, to uh, like the solution is a bit more uh, uh, about negotiating and, and finding a way um, uh, why why the state is 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 actually not keeping its its commitment? Um. Okay, okay, clear. Uh, so as we have today, we've had more than one hundred twenty attendees from several different countries. Um, now we have a question from a different country regarding a different system. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Polish government is thinking of introducing a capacity market. Um, the question is, if it will be based on the UK model, um, will it be open to interconnectors and demand response? 
Um, uh, yeah, um, uh, if there are uh, if, if there are um, uh, any Polish pe- people out there um, who who will not agree <laughs> with uh, with what uh, I, I would like to say now, then then just. Uh, Mm, don't, don't be ashamed. Raise, raise the hand. <laughs> but um, um, I, in in the first place, um, um, to be frank, uh, it's pretty much of, of a debate in Poland now. Um, um, as far as I know, there there has been no official um, stance from from uh, from the government uh, on on this. Like no no official pro pro proposal um, to to implement um, a capacity market and and then um, and and then that it would be um, um, ba- that it would be based on the UK model. I think um, uh, that uh, right now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there there's a, a study uh, or a report made by Ernst and Young. Um, I think it was commissioned uh, by um, by the Association of Generators, <laughs> uh, and that's the pro- proposal uh, which was put forward uh, to the government. Um, and there, uh, and this proposal um, then um, analyzes um, uh, two two options. One is the UK model um, with a centralized auction, and the other one is the French model, um, so a decentralized uh, market. Uh, and the preferred option is the UK model, not only because it's um, just simpler to implement, um, but also because it, it got the green light from the commission. Um, so, um, but um, in in my opinion, I, I mean, this discussion on capacity markets in Poland um, uh, has been going on for for many many years. Uh, in the in the 90s, we had um, long-term um, uh, and, and energy supply uh, um, con- con- contracts, right? Uh, so they were um, they were a so- they were they were giving gen- generators a sort of se- some sort of security. Uh, but once the market uh, was liberalized, the, the Commission uh, uh, said that those contracts are, are illegal aid. Uh, and they had to be removed. Uh, so that was in 2005 to 2006. And um, and and the discussion about about setting up a capacity mechanism started uh, in 2008 when the economic crisis kicked in and the prior prices dropped and there were and there was uh, overcapacity. Uh, so uh, then the industry starts started to complain um, uh, and now we have uh, 2014 uh, the capacity market is still not there um, I remember last year uh, the, transmi- the, the Polish transmission system operator um, uh, was uh, was 
war, war, warning that there, there will be um, that we will have a capacity sh shortage uh, starting from 2016. Uh, now uh, it says it will be after two, 2020. Uh, so I think that that this discussion is is just. Um, uh, it, it will still take uh, it will still take a lot of time. Uh, I, I, I frank, frankly speaking, don't don't believe uh, that we will uh, set up a capacity mechanism, uh, especially if we are looking at the Polish uh, um, legislation. Like uh, setting up a capacity mechanism would require change, changes to le legislation. Uh, and um, we are still waiting for uh, our reform of the e energy law, uh, and it's not and it has been taking taking years. So <laughs> um, yes, that that that's my view. I, uh, if uh, just in abstract, if there would be a capacity mechanism in Poland, I uh, I don't think uh, it will. Uh, it will be open to cross-border um, cross-border capacity. Um, that's simply because um, simply because we we don't have uh, we we don't have uh, enough cross-border capacity. So um, uh, I'm sorry to be so ne negative here. <laughs> okay, though no, it's it's clear very very complete uh, answer. Uh, now, I would like just to conclude with a final question as um, we are running out of our uh, schedule, but it's very interesting um, because we have received four questions on the same topic, uh, which is France, basically France, and the general approach of the European Commission. So we've spoken about the UK and Poland, and so uh, some of our attendees want to know um, the status of approval uh, of the um, capacity mechanism in France, and to relate it to this, uh, there is another comment. Uh, doesn't it look like the European Commission is taking a rather uh, indulgent or too soft approach to capacity mechanism? So if we could give a, a short answer to, mm -hmm. to this. Mm -hmm. uh, well, in terms of France, uh, from what I, I, I heard that um, uh, it wasn't for, for, uh, formally notified to, to the Commission uh, because France argued that, they, that it actually imposed uh, a public service um, obligation. So um, I think that there were... The French government, uh, all the time, I, I think, like this capacity mechanism uh, was also um, has been also uh, been implemented for for a long uh, over a long uh, time. Uh, I think it started into 2010, um, and now uh, I think this year uh, it's it's supposed to be 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 introduced. Um, so I think the. From what I heard, the French government was all the time in touch with the Commission about this, uh, and 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 it was also argued that um, uh, it was actually arguing, um, uh, as I mentioned in in the webinar, that um, that it falls uh, out of the state aid box just because it doesn't involve state state aid resources. Um, I think um, that claim might not be valid, but. Uh, 
it's 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 likely that that this public service service uh, service obligation um, argumentation would work here. Uh, so it's it's um, uh, I think the, the mechanism is uh, is allowed. Uh, in terms of uh, like, it's true that the, like, we have now uh, the only only one state aid decision um, approving the, the the UK capacity mechanism. Uh, so it's very hard to uh, to now judge what is the Commission's a- approach uh, on the basis of this one the decision. Um, I think um, I think that the it's since capacity mechanisms are, are allowed um, and since uh, security of supply is still uh, a very national issue um, then what the commission can only do is to is to uh, uh, to have an impact uh, on the design of these me- mechanisms so uh, what i can um, uh, what i can fo- foresee is that uh, there will be many that type of uh, um, com- commissions uh, approvals, uh, but uh, obviously with commitments from the member state to to make to make those mechanisms uh, uh, as 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 competitive as possible, uh, open to cross border uh, capacity uh, where possible, and and open to to demand side side. Uh, um re- response so um i think that that would be the approach uh it's it's one can call call it uh soft but uh i think that's the only possibility the the commission have, have, has now